0: Yeah, it's like my wife telling me, you gotta stop eating the desserts every night, right? Like, what's in it for <laughs> yeah, me? Well, yeah. well, what's in it for me is I can live a bit a little healthier, I can exercise a little bit more, I feel better, but yeah, it's hard yeah. to convince us, right? To break that that chain, that behavior.
1: That's so true.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to this week's RevOps Podcast. I'm Alistair Wolcott, joined by my co-host, Howard Brown, the pioneer recognized authority in all things AI, rev science, and behavior change. We are thrilled to have with us today, Darren Faith, who is the Director of Revenue Operations and Intelligence, farm Instructure, former fireman, lover of all things wake surfing, and just an all-in, pretty decent guy that we love chatting with. Darren joined us previously to really lean into some fantastic insights on the data governance side, some of the data maintenance side, and had a brilliant suggestions around ownership of campaign objects and how that ties into field leverage and some of the reporting side. However, today we we'll want to have Darren back and tie in today what we call the lighthouse of revops, being the warning system, the fire lookout, to use a bad analogy on revops. Darren, awesome to have you back. Thanks for having me, and Thanks, thanks, Howard. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, Howard, we left off last time pretty excited about some, some good things on the object side and, and campaign pieces that Darren was referencing for everybody. But today, we want to tie into this idea of the metrics in RevOps and, and what it means to be the warning system. And I'll start with you, Howard, just in terms of this market is shifting very quickly in the world of AI right now. yes, it is. As a result of that, a lot of sales, a lot of marketing processes, there's a lot of disruption happening and certainly is going to accelerate here. you know let's let's look at it from that lens and and let's just start with you. What are you seeing and and what are the early indicators that you you want the robots world to be aware of as it pertains to how AI is impacting what's going on?
0: Well, first of all, it's never been a more exciting time to be in technology. I think several months ago, everybody felt like the technology market was falling apart, the stock market, banks were collapsing. Today, it's it's generative AI, it's ChatGPT, it's automation. As you know, at Revenue.io, we've been, we've been building on generative AI for five years now, but ChatGPT gave everybody the ability to actually touch AI. And that's, what's so exciting. It's just revolutionizing everything and people are throwing all kinds of problems at it and getting all kinds of different results. Now I'm not saying that all the results are great and I'm not saying that there's great products yet coming out. There's some, but boy, there's thousands of new ideas, but what's fascinating, what is so exciting, is the idea that we can augment human intelligence with artificial intelligence. So many people are worried that they're just going to be replaced. Some people will be replaced. Absolutely. And the people that are going to be replaced, in my opinion, are the people who are actually not using artificial intelligence as a tool to augment their intelligence, to make certain that the, the things that they do on a daily basis that are mundane, that are, better handled by machines. Those are the things, let's augment, let's get those out of the process so that we can have conversations with our stakeholders so we can have conversations with our prospects and customers because as human beings, we need to provide value and offer solutions and listen. That is what's so critical. And so what's so exciting is the ability to actually study language models And help human beings to better connect with one another, that is a rich, rich opportunity. And what's really exciting is people are thinking about different ways to solve problems and trying all kinds of different things. And you talk about Lighthouse, right? The idea that there is a way to predict when something is going to happen or not happen. That is a beautiful use Of artificial intelligence it's great at recognizing patterns what's there what's not there utilizing technology to help us drive the right behaviors is to me i i couldn't be more excited about it as you can tell
2: (laughs) darren what's your take
1: you know i've been playing around with ai for a while now and i've definitely seen some some really impactful um activities that can happen uh, from just a standard execution point of view if I wanted to figure out what my mission statement for my department or my organization would be historically that's a very long conversation to put some things together and make sure you articulate it well enough you it sounds right and just as a fun exercise for like people out there just dip their toe in AI put together all the great attributes that you want to embody and have it put together a mission statement for you and see what it comes out at. And um, oftentimes, you're not going to take the final output of something like that with AI. This is where um, Howard alluded to, like that aug- augmenting between you know um, AI and you know or organic intelligence. I would say at that point, you're still going to have somebody who's going to review some things down the line. They're going to be executing it in another fashion. But um, it does exponentially reduce the amount of time some of those tasks would typically take you. If I wanted to go, make sure I put together a structured email campaign, I could very easily leverage AI to put some of that together based on value propositions, based on how I want to message it, the way I want to communicate it, and then review that. And that review process is a lot quicker than that writer's block of creating something from scratch, right? And so there are so many variables that you know AI touches within an organization. I'm really excited about it. I think there's a lot of great um, products that. in the market now and are going to be in the market, um, very shortly based up around AI and the, your ability to forecast your ability to, um, identify it and set ICP, mm-hmm. um, in a meaningful way. That's more dynamic that is, that fluctuates more with the market, um, trends. I, I can see a lot of that stuff moving a needle for an ever changing, um, you know, the economy you see, you know, with the economy goes down and we see areas of, the, of other businesses, uh, doing better you may be able to see a change in your icp and you may see who's a, a better target at that point point. and i think it's going to allow us to adjust a lot quicker as
0: organizations in the example you used of writer's block so we have thousands of reps right using our tools and the primary utilization is they're either having a conversation on the phone whether in a Zoom meeting or a team meeting, what are you supposed to do as a sales rep? You're supposed to follow up on that meeting with a very succinct follow-up letter or note that has what you covered, you know, what the key issues are and next steps, right? How many reps struggle to get that thing done, right? Like all of us, every whether you're a rep or anything else, a follow-up email is a the thing that we've had the greatest feedback in the shortest period of time of all of our products is the summarization post meeting that thing's done and I'm not going to tell you that it's 100% correct it's probably 85% correct but that thing sitting in everybody's outbox saves so much time and energy all the stuff we've built that's the thing that people are most excited because The amount of block and time you spend, it's like, oh, I got to shift gears from having an incredible sales conversation. Now I got to draft an email, maybe I got to listen to my recording or look at my notes. It gets you out of that, that mojo, right? You're like, you're in it, you're talking, you're, you're having success and then you got to break and do it. And so it's really exciting to see people really take to that piece of it. So uh, yeah, that block is real.
1: Yeah, it keeps your mind focused on the strategy of how to win the opportunity too. Uh, and I think yeah. there's there's a lot to be said about loss of productivity around shifting the way you think. If I'm going from a deep, detailed exercise then I have to go into a, a big strategic conversation, the lag time for our own in, internal processing to go from those two different projects is, is severe. So if you can keep on, on target, it's definitely gonna increase productivity across the board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Context shifting is hard. <laughs> You
2: know, as you think about this, and it does create the risk of additional tool proliferation. And I'm going to say actually AI proliferation, right? And are we somewhat entering into a stage of, I'll call it AI hallucination, right? In that, you know, there is is, is all of this art of what's the possible is, but it's driven by a lot of great thought leaders, but is it is it practically going to make the change that we think it will is it is it. That's just living in the hyperbole state of what's there versus not. Yeah, you know, there was a really fascinating article this week in the Guardian from uh, Naomi Klein, who's a bit of, she's famous for her shock doctrine and, and you know, this changes everything research and stuff like that. That argued the point very heavily that this is largely in this hallucinated state of what's happening. Now on the flip side of that, to get the counter of that view. You have like the guys over at All In, a bunch of VCs and all these sides sitting there and saying, "Look, if you aren't taking a third of your workforce now and having them experiment with generative technology, experiment with AI, you're going to miss the mark." Now, I tend to actually agree more with the latter, but I also then sympathize to the world of RevOps and go, "You're literally going to get hit in most companies with both of those views." You have those that are constantly pushing ahead, and you got those that are going to say, no, there's no way this could ever help, and it's, it's just more noise. Let's not worry right now. You know, Darren, what are you hearing in the roundtables? Are, are people jumping like Howard and I saying, you need to embrace this. It's If you aren't taking a third of your company and getting them to experiment with this now, you would have big issues in 24 months' time, maybe 12. Or are there more people thinking, like Naomi, going, we're hallucinating. This is nowhere near close to making it.
1: Yeah, I think well, just as a general practice, I think in revenue operations or across any portion of any business, I believe in segmenting time for professional development. And so I think in that segmented time for professional development, um you, you should be focusing on things like this. We just had a conversation on my team about, you know, I want everyone to play with it. Um, I think it's it's an opportunity. You play with something, you get comfortable with it, right? And by, I asked for my team to block off a half hour a day and every bit of that professional development should be focused on something that can help you grow as an individual, um, there's, there's two ways that you can tackle bigger problems in a company, you either upskill your staff or you replace your staff with more skilled staff, right? And if you can upskill your staff, there's a lot more productivity from that than if you have to replace them because you have the downtime for the knowledge loss and you have other aspects of it. So by having people focus on the professional development on a regular basis you understand and learn new processes and and new skills and new technologies and if you do that you can pick up stuff and pertain it to the business very quickly and you can understand how it can affect the business because you're intimately aware of the business if you bring somebody in new and they understand that product it's still going to take them just as long to learn how to apply it to your business right and um you know i think with ai the biggest concern that i think most people are going to have to deal with is the, the culture of, I have a need, I'm going to go put a field in, I have a need, I'm going to go put something in to just get it tracked. And with AI, you can't do that. Um, because if you do that and it's not managed, then you're going to get inaccurate insights and it's, it goes back to that garbage in versus garbage out. Right. And you know, the idea of saying, Hey, let's, let's hold off. Let's keep our company focused on core metrics. Let's keep our company focused on what matters. And then at that point you say, okay, are we gonna add this? What is it gonna do? How's it gonna impact the business? Is it worth managing? Is it worth putting some tech debt uh, on the board? And then at that point, you know, you're scaled for AI. Cause I think if you have a bunch of this tech debt, it can be um, scary to implement something like AI. Cause there's gonna be a little bit of a lift if you've had the bad behaviors prior to go through and clean it.
0: A little bit, just an understanding yeah. there, Derek. Yeah. Just a little bit of a yeah. lift, right?
1: <laughs> Guess definitely depending on the situation, right? Like, yeah, how much data yeah. you're looking at?
0: <laughs> exactly. I I yeah. I think that from my perspective, taking a look across your customers, thinking about your company and what are the real pain points that you have, because you can throw this stuff at anything and try and solve every type of problem, and you can't boil the ocean. So, what are the absolute pain points that you have that you can say, okay, we're going to do a proof of concept over here and see, does it make a marked difference in behavior, in productivity? And so if you understand your customers, if you understand your product and you understand your organization, you start to become aware of, yeah, nobody wants to write a follow-up email, right? Obvious, right? Yeah. So yeah, look across your organization, look across your customers and what are those obvious pain points and focus focus there on a one use case and try and get everybody excited about that and if you nail it then you can go to the next one and to the next one i see this as very much i've you know i'm bald guy here been around a long time (laughs) the first version of the internet 96 built my first company 97 like if you have an idea, you're gonna throw it on the internet. It doesn't even matter what it was. I, I laughed with Alistair actually had a website to type upside down. You can literally type and it would flip it up. Useless. No business value whatsoever. But it was the internet. Why not give it a shot? I kind of feel that way in many ways about what's happening with AI. It's like, let's just figure out what a business problem is. Figure out what people really need and solve for that. And that that's my advice and sort of where to start.
1: Yeah, I think it's good advice, and I, yeah, you know, we started using AI for forecasting last year, and I initially there were some concerns, right? You were worried about it, but then people will get excited about the output, right? And then when people get excited about the output, the management becomes a lot easier because they know what they need to do to get the insights to keep getting what they want, right? And so I think you know when you, when you focus on AI and you start realizing the power of what you can get from it in terms of a return, the the work leading into it to maintain certain aspects of it from like a rep perspective, which is usually the hardest to, to, to sell, becomes a lot easier. Here, here. You know, they, they realize it's, I like to term the phrase, what's in it for me, right? And so for the sales rep, if it's, I, I get to spend more time doing this and I get to close more deals, okay, great. Then what I'm putting out is not a big deal. So when you're always focused on the benefit and the impact on the business, I think it definitely drives the behavior to, to support all sorts of great new technologies, which I'm, I'm looking forward to trying.
0: <laughs> the only adjustment I'd have to your thinking there is I wouldn't limit that what's in it for me to just salespeople. I think as human beings, yeah. fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, we think about what's in it for me. And so if nothing's in it for them, why burn the calories? So true. And none of us are going to do it. We have to see the value. And if the value, the return on that value, Outweighs whatever you're putting in. yeah, I'm gonna be interested. and if if I get more and more, I'm gonna be more interested. So I'm gonna do the work to be the best, right? I'm gonna do the work to get the best results. And if the work is minimal and the results are amazing, yes, I want more of it.
1: You know it, I love that you 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 clarified that because when you're talking about wanting to bring on a new technology from like a revOps standpoint and you need executive sponsors, right? And let's say you want to go do something new that's going to impact the organization understanding what's in it for them for the executive standpoint is what sells the opportunity to bring on that new product to actually impact the business because you know as it stands it's not always easy to help somebody help themselves right yes uh, <laughs> it's like hey i know this can solve your problem and i know this can uh, solve x and y but um until they fully can understand the impact that it has and what's in it for them in terms of the value for their personal mission then at that point You've just built, you know, a whole group of champions around your initiative if you can actually articulate it right.
0: Yeah, it's like my wife's telling me you got to stop eating the desserts every night. Right? Like, yeah. what's in it for <laughs> yeah. me? Well, yeah. well, what's in it for me is I can live a, bit, a little healthier. I can exercise a little bit more. I feel better. But yeah, it's hard yeah. to convince us, right, to break that that chain that behavior. And that's so true.
2: And I think the behavior piece is such an important one, right? Always framing and looking at the functional steps we what we can automate, what steps in the workflows across all the dependency of RevOps that we can impact. But at the end of the day, for all of the insight and all the metrics and tactics we put in place, we're doing and applying generative to change your behavior, to change an action, to change a person. Howard, you know, we frame you, you know you've spent a ton of time in behavior. You know, and and Darren, you're you're seeing and living behavior change in companies every day how this is, this is a highly disruptive thing that's going on. Nobody actually really loves change. People say they love it, but they often push back against it when, it when it happens to them, right? They love to see it, but they don't want it to happen in front of them and in the areas that they, they deal with. They're comfortable. So when you think of revolts, when we think of actually applying behavioral change, making people embrace that. Thoughts?
0: Yeah, I'm going to jump in because I think Derek actually said it. I love the idea of having everybody spend 30 minutes touching the technology because then they're no longer a victim to it. They're actually, they're a part of it. They're living it. They're seeing the value of it. So, you know, all of our listeners think about that. Let people touch it and play with it. That's why we're seeing this massive adoption and excitement is because it's not happening to them it's happening with them and then it will happen for them. So I, I, I'm taking Derek's advice.
1: Also, just understanding, you know, well, like we've been talking about, you know, what's in it for them? I, I think when you realize, and you can understand from a change management standpoint, where their pain points are and what they really care about, um, they may be fighting change because of, you know, this small factor that is a change that they feel like is uncomfortable to them. The only way you're gonna make them okay with it is when they understand that this thing that you're um, giving to them is gonna be solving a bigger problem that's also something that you've been hating. And if, you know, that outweighs the other thing that they're concerned about, then you you have somebody who's bought in. If you can just purely explain, you know, the value of what you're bringing to them and the problems you're gonna solve, great. But um, sometimes it does take talking to those people and saying, hey, tell me what, wh- why you'd, you'd hate this process or, you know, warrant some feedback if you're saying hey is this something that you're hating because of this and kind of dive deeper ask for the five whys right yeah. D- dive in a little bit see if you can really get to the the root of the problem and i'm all for transparency my team one of the things i try to embody is i don't want anybody to agree with me uh, i want to have a debate about everything uh, if if everybody's coming and agreeing with me something's broken because um i don't if i'm the only person who's going to come up the great ideas then we're we're, we're failing already <laughs> So getting people to feel comfortable to, to talk through what they think is a better idea or what's not, if they can start poking holes in it, you've just gotten honest feedback about something that you can then leverage just like you'd want in a sales motion. You want to know all the problems they have with it so that you can leverage that and then use it to sell back to them, right? It's the same thing with you know, like putting a new operational process in place.
2: You know, Listen to them as your customer. All right. I love all of that. We're nearing the bottom of our timing but well, I got a final question and Darren, I'll let you go first. We spend a lot of time talking about the people change, well, how we need to be the lighthouse, the organization on applying these technologies, more advanced technologies, give me a wish list of a future state, 12 months from now, what Generative AI is doing in your work. Oh, wow. I would
1: say data quality, uh, monitoring and data enrichment from non-traditional sources. Um, I think there's an opportunity to get non-traditional data enrichment, whether it's listening to calls and then farming information to append onto an account, right, and make sure you capture those items and then leverage those for an ICP so that you're getting more real-time. If you have a ICP right now, a lot of people are using, you know, account attributes and then their firmographic and they're pretty much, you know, a point in time. All those firmographics started somewhere. Um, When they made a decision to go do this different business motion, that was something that they made a decision on and then it became the reality and they brought it in. Getting ahead of all that, could you imagine having the capability to leverage that to go get in front of those customers while it's a hot topic before it becomes a standard operating procedure? And I think it would be hugely valuable in uh, targeting efforts. I love that idea.
0: Howard? In 12 months, I want to reduce the manual process across all the organization by 40%. And I want to increase the utilization of AI in real time during conversations, every single employee, every conversation.
1: It'd be helpful. I love
0: both (laughs) of those. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, guys, it has been
2: a brilliant conversation. Thank you so much as always. Darren, keep up the great work. And also, I want to advise the community, how do they get in touch with you and the open source community you have for our RevOps leadership as well?
1: Yeah, uh, so just LinkedIn, uh, Darren Fay F A Y, And then uh, if they would like to check out RevOps Roundtable, it's uh, www.revopsroundtable.com. And uh, I'd love to chat with anybody if they have any questions as well. So if you just want a private message, I'm always happy
2: to talk to RevOps. Fantastic. Well, listen, it has been a wonderful conversation with you. Yeah. Gabe, we're so appreciative to have you on and all of what you're doing in the the thought leadership space and just the actionable advice that you have. It's been a pleasure having you with us. We look forward to more from Howard and I. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Call us in for additional questions. Let's try to stop Howard on some future behaviors, all things AI and everything else. You can reach us at 323-540-4777 that's three two three five four zero four triple seven and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks everyone. Thanks Darren,
0: thanks Alistair.
1: Thank you both.